All right, well, welcome to the first ever episode of the Church History Road Trip. Uh, I am Rick Kleiner, and I'm joined by Greg Moore. Hey, Rick, it's great to be here. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, Greg, it's good to have you. First of all, let's kind of let our listeners know what this podcast is going to be all about. Um, really, it's kind of an interesting story. Uh, Greg and I went to uh, school together in college. Um, I was significantly older than Greg, although I looked significantly better. Um, but Greg and I um, met in college. We're good friends in college. Matter of fact, Greg was in my wedding. I was in Greg's. We took a road trip together. I don't recall right that at all. You do. I remember the stories, <laughs> and this podcast can start telling some. Um, but then Greg and I, um, with a group of others, including my new bride, went on a road trip right after um, I graduated. And we went up and down the eastern seaboard uh, doing, on a drama tour. Uh, so we are no stranger to road trip. As a matter of fact, Greg, I think that if I'm going to take a road trip with somebody, I think you and I probably have the most fun and may actually get in the most trouble. Most likely. Is that why it's named Church History Road Trip based on our college experience? Because that was not a necessarily a pleasant experience. I loved the people I was with, but after two months stuck in the same stinky van going uh, from Maine to Florida, that was, uh, that was problematic at times. No, I think the idea for a church history road trip was we're going to be kind of driving. You kind of think of it, you're, you're, with your, you're with your buddies, music's good, you're stopping at different places, you don't really have any kind of itinerary, you're just stopping wherever you see something. Like yeah. we might be driving down the road and see, oh, wow, world's largest piece of tin. All right, we're stopping. Um, and that's kind of what this podcast is going to be about. We're not going linear or chronologically. We're just stopping at some places we see, want to talk about, and hope to help our listeners kind of get an idea of that. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure you'll mention this later, but um, if you're listening and you're wondering about a specific thing, why, a lot of, I think, what we'll do in this in this podcast is, why do we do this? Or how did this come to be? That kind of stuff. And so um, if you're like me, uh, I grew up in a church that uh, I felt, looking back on it, I felt like it was, I love the church, but I felt like it was very disconnected from the rest of, of church history in a way. It was, they went back to about 1948, and they kind of tried to stay there as much as they could. But if you were to start asking people, what was the, what was the church like, generally speaking, before that? Like, well, you have the book of Acts, and then you got Paul, his missionary journeys, you know, all that. And then some bad stuff happened. Luther nailed something to a door, and then we got our church. That's basically it. Exactly. <laughs> That's your church history curriculum in most, in most local churches. Yeah. Um, but then a little bit more about how this podcast is going to be. Greg and I began, we actually worked together at a local university, um, they put us in the same office, not really knowing what they were doing at all. Um, and then what we noticed was, well, I noticed it because I had more of an open door policy to our office. Um, but Greg usually liked to keep the door locked because Greg, you, as yourself uh, affirmed of, you don't like people. And so, and so we'd have students come in, sit on my couch, and just to listen to you and I, they would ask us some questions, but then they would listen to us back and forth there'd be humor involved. If we weren't crying with laughter after a while, we didn't have a good conversation. So really, that's what we want this to be about. We want to have some fun with this um, because sometimes as what we're going to deal with in this episode, church history is, is given a bad name. And so we want to show how this stuff is interesting. Um, it, it helps us grow in our faith and you can have fun with it. And it's just two guys who I think like to talk to each other, at least on this end of the mic. We like to, I like to talk to Greg and uh, I always grow in my uh, knowledge of stuff when I talk to this guy. So I'm looking forward to opening that up to the world or at least the local area code. <laughs> uh, 
All right. Um, so I, I thought maybe we could start talking about how we ourselves got into the area of church history. So uh, for me, I started grad school thinking I was going to study the Old Testament. The first class I took was Hebrew. About halfway through Hebrew, I realized I better not be studying the Old Testament on this level because, because I probably will need Hebrew and this ain't working. Uh, so what I ended up doing was I ended up doing a, a, a program that focused more in theology and church history. There, were, there weren't many people. Actually, there was a professor of mine that, that mentioned this. He said, let's look around at our general circles, the, you know, church circles that we're in, and think about who is, who is doing church history. I said, I can't really think of maybe more than one, maybe two at the most. Um, and they, they were both fairly old at the time. And he said, exactly. He said, you need to focus in on, on that because one, he said, I, th I think you'd be good at it. But, but two, it, it really, a lot of stuff I liked about uh, studying the Old Testament, studying the New Testament as well, you know, the culture and the background and stuff like that, that's present there in church history as well. So I, I ended up kind of following his advice and began studying intertestamental, inter, excuse me, intertestamental Judaism in that era, kind of between the Testaments. And eventually I got stuck in the, the, um, the early church and then late antiquity. I've, I've kind of been there ever since. It's kind of my focus, but, but I absolutely love it. And um, I wasn't planning on reading any quotes, but I, I did come across this um, fairly recently. I've read Yusuf Gonzalez's book, The Story of Christianity, a bazillion times. It's been a textbook for a number of courses I've, I've taught over the years. But there, there's one part that I, I always remember. I think it's fairly early on in the book. But he says the notion that we read the New Testament exactly as the early Christians did, without any weight or of tradition coloring our interpretation, is an illusion. It's not true. It is also a dangerous illusion, for it tends to absolutize our interpretation, confusing it with the Word of God. He says, one way in which we can avoid this danger is to know the past that colors our vision. I remember reading that pretty early on in my studies, and that really hit home to me. And I've, I have found that as, as I study more about those throughout church history that have gone to the Word, looking at the same passages I am, obviously many of them in different languages, um, their insight and you know, their own Christian walk, their own experiences uh, has been particularly beneficial to me. Yeah, I like that quote by Gonzalez. I think that's a great, and that's a great book, and that brings up a good point. We'll be bringing out resources, and whatever resources we mention, we'll make them available in the show notes, at least links to Amazon. We don't get any money for that oh. because they're not a sponsor yet, but we're working on them. Um, my story in the church history is, is kind of fun. Um, I, I didn't come to Christ until uh, college. I was around 21 when I put my faith in Christ, and one of the things that God just let happen was um, as I'm spending time in God's Word, I'm, I'm reading um, the Bible. I mean, really, for the first time, it's just growing. The Lord's growing me through that. He also turned me on more towards. Uh, there was a, two books that were put out around the time we were. Well, I was in. I came to know Christ. Uh, they were put out by the, the Christian band DC Talk. They were called Jesus Freaks, and those were two books that kind of told the story of the, the martyrs in church history. It was kind of like a modern day Fox's Book of Martyrs. And from there, I kind of grew in my understanding of that. And look at what the early church went through. Um, people who, I just love those stories of people who, you know, suffered for their faith. 
um, that it was a testimony to me. It kind of grew me in that. And then from there, I went to biographies. I was I would start reading Christian biographies of these great men and women in, in the history of the church who stood for Christ, like I'm trying to stand for at that time, you know, a new Christian. And God really grew me through um, church history. I think it's God used dis- church history in my discipleship. So I'm all about encouraging people to to read this stuff. And and the Lord opened up the opportunity later um, when I started teaching in Christian school to teach a church history class. I actually started the class myself. Um, the reason why I started it was because when when I uh, well, when I started it, the book The Da Vinci Code by Dan Brown had gained some steam and popularity, and people were questioning things. Is the history of the church really accurate? So I created a church history class to show, yeah, what Dan Brown was saying in that book is all fiction. It was based on fiction. Here's what historically happened. And from there, just reading more, growing more, always got a church history book or resource or something around. And so just the the Lord really let that kind of be my thing. And I just, I've kind of built myself as a uh, a wannabe church historian. I love digging into it. Uh, I love looking at, like I said, the men and women who've come before us. I don't really have a favorite era of church history. You said you kind of land in the more in the antiquity. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. I, I have to be that guy and say, yeah, I like the Reformation. Uh, I love the stories of what was happening bef- right before, during, and then right after. Um, but then, especially what I'm noticing now in my studies is. I'm, I'm having more of an appreciation for, I'm going to say modern church history, because that's the best part about Christian history. Um, you, you never get everything because every day you get more new stuff. And our job as historians, I think, is to look at the past um, and really get an idea of, of what's happening in the future. You mentioned a resource just now uh, about Justo, Justo Gonzalez's the story of Christianity. Uh, I just uh, picked up Robert Rea, and that's R-E-A, so it's probably Rhea. Uh, if Robert, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Um, but it's Robert F. Rhea's book, Why Church History Matters. And as I was look, I'm taking a look at this book and I'm reading through it. It's got some great stuff in it. And he makes a statement. He says, Christian history transformed his Christian identity. Uh, it's the idea that as he grew in his understanding of, of Christian history, he really really grew or he grew in his faith. I, I just underline that thought. That is awesome. I think that's absolutely true. Yeah. I think, I think that's been true of me too. Yeah. That's a good quote. Then he's got this one quote that just really stuck out to me and I had to just, I have to bring it up in here in, the, in this session. Um, in the first one, he says this Christian theology, whether biblical, historical, philosophical, or systematic seeks to answer the questions about existence. He mentions earlier in the book, Christians, especially Bible-focused Christians, find the answer to those questions in the scriptures, examined from their own theological perspectives within the context of their church communities. And so he, he brings up that church history is important, and all this theology that we, that we have was developed in a cultural context. Now, the argument can be said, well, it was in the Bible first. Agreed. But these theologians worked it out in their context, their historical context in which they, which they live. And I think that's a very important point in church history, just like you mentioned the quote from Gonzalez. All right. So Greg, the next point I think we should go with here is we mentioned some stuff there, but why do most people, they're looking, they're going to look at a podcast like this and say, okay, why would these two guys want to do a whole podcast on Christian history, on church history? Why would we waste our time on that? And their argument might come from 
maybe presuppositions that people have towards uh, the history of the church and the study of church history. So I thought what maybe would be good for our listeners right now is to, we kind of talk about some of the possible objections to a podcast like this. Well, at least one that I've come across in, in church history courses that I've taught. Um, and usually it's not in a, certainly not a mean way. Usually it's just kind of, we usually discuss this kind of stuff in, in one of the first classes of a course. Uh, but one thing that's come up is the fact that it's not practical. This stuff happened, you know, maybe 1500 years ago How in the world, you know, especially when I'm, when I'm in a class where maybe a lot of the folks are, are in ministry. Uh, how how can they use something that you know happened with Augustine or Aquinas or, or someone else? And so, um, hey, can we do that real quick too? Also, sure. we're going to teach people how to pronounce things properly because we've all done this. Have you ever had one person in class where you've said Augustine and they've gone, uh, "Do you mean Augustine?" No, no one ever corrects me. No one ever corrects you. <laughs> That's yeah. not true. Right. But um, no, I, I always said Augustine until I had a church history professor say, you know, Augustine's the city in Florida and Augustine's the theologian. And, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of times, honestly, when, when I mispronounce things, it's because probably it's because I've come across more of it in reading mm-hmm. than having someone, you know, um, you know, in a particular class or something like that, or maybe I just wasn't paying attention to my professor, or as I found the case, and sometimes my professor said it incorrectly as well, which I think is fairly common. But so maybe one positive to this podcast is you're going to learn how to say these names properly. We're going to try our best. Hopefully, yes. Okay. So I was saying there is practical application to a lot of this stuff. Um, I, I do believe in the importance of just learning something about the past because it's something about the past and I find value in that. But I think there's also uh, something to be said about the ability for church history, historic theology to, you know, allow us today to say, you know what, so-and-so was going through something very similar, or I'm really dealing with this particular passage. I don't quite understand it. Well, wait a minute, here's, um, uh, Chrysostom, you know, who wrote a whole homily on this thing. Let me read his stuff. And um, the ability, especially in today's amazing world, where we can go online and find documents that are 2,000 years old online for free. And I mean, it's just amazing. Um, we have Greek resources, uh, Hebrew resources, other things like that, that also are a benefit to us. But but just understanding church history, becoming more familiar with it. I mean, there are certainly plenty of people today that have, I would say, financially successful ministries or platforms that may speak on the Bible or theology. But when you start delving into what they're teaching, sometimes it's it's what we call innovative, uh, which usually is a good term. But in theology, historically speaking, that's not a good thing. You don't you don't want to be the first one that came up with something after, you know, centuries and centuries. Uh, so I think the idea that what we teach, what we believe should be rooted in the word of God. Yeah. I, agree. But the inter- I would say the interpretation of the word of God though, is, is where that ties in with church history. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's very practical. I, I when I hear people say it's not very practical, I'm thinking, well, you, you may not, you just must have not heard it taught properly. Um, again, from Robert Rea's book, Why Church History Matters, he says, history is the study of the past in order to understand the present and to improve the future. And I'm thinking, man, that's good. Um, that's, that's why we study history, because Solomon was right. 
there's nothing new under the sun. The things that we're experiencing now, people experienced before and how they handled it is we could learn how they handled it well and how they didn't handle it well in order to improve how we may handle it again in the future. And so I think that's a, an important point to make. I, I think church history is extremely practical, um, no, matter, no matter what era you're setting in. Another ob- objection that I've heard is that uh, that kind of stuff is just for, um, I'm going to say that it's just for geeks. It's just for people who just care about that stuff. Uh, these are really old books. Nobody really cares about these. Kind of, uh, it's just not cool. You know, I don't know if we'll be able to talk our way out of that part. No, of it, I think no, that's a, I'm just going to go ahead and say that's accurate. Uh, that's a full on, um, guilty as charged, totally okay with that. Um, but as we've seen in our world, um, it's the nerds that we made fun of in high school that are the ones who are making all the money. So, um, take it. But, um, I think that, uh, so for example, when we talk about church history and another thing, I th- reason why I think people leave it off or, or don't want to talk about it. Um, and I'm going to talk about it because as a pastor uh, of, a, of a local church, there are times where church history can get ignored in, in favor of a modern new way of doing things. And listen, when I said that, I heard myself sounding like the old person in the pew saying, don't change anything. I, I, I heard that come out, but, but let me hear, hear me out that I think we could benefit as pastors by understanding church history um, so that we're not just listening to new voices. New voices are great, but I like to follow Piper's rule of every new book you read, go read five old books. Um, So for example, I loved radical when it came out. Um, You know, David Platt's work, it was great. Uh, Then I read Christian mission in a modern world by John Stott. I was like, there, there it is. And then I read the religious affections by Jonathan Edwards um, and I thought, well, there it is there. And then I read Ephesians uh, and thought, well, there, there you go. It goes back. Um, you know, all these things, we're, all we're hearing right now, none of it's new. It's, it's just being, it's, it was said before and now it's being said again. Um, and so I, I think sometimes we, it, would, it would benefit us if we did keep our ear to the past a little bit on how things were handled. For example, um, you know, when, when the COVID-19 stay-at-home orders um, went home, um, and then we had, we were away from churches for a while. Some of you may be listening and still be under uh, certain orders like that. But there was concern about what are we going to do? What's our next uh, next step? Um, is this, un- my favorite phrase was unprecedented times. Like, no, they're, they, they've been around. Uh, you know, you had people ministering during the plague. Luther's quote, about ministering during the plague was used probably in every pulpit in North America when stay-at-home orders went down. Um, and then we, we see all this play out. I mean, we've seen it before. So we'd look to the, we look to our church fathers, our, 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 our church, our older um, brothers and sisters, and see how they handled it and see, okay, was it, was it done well? How could it have been improved upon? Yeah. Then we, we, we eat the fish, spit out the bone, and we become better for it. We stand on the sh- the shoulders of giants in that way. Yeah, there's certainly, I think, practical implications to studying church history. Intellectually, I enjoy it because a lot of the uh, bits of theology that I, I'm chewing on in my own head, you know, by reading a particular passage of scripture, or maybe reading some, uh, or maybe listening to a, a pastor or something like that, I'm, you know, I'm trying to mull some things over my mind and I could go and read 
Jerome's view on a particular bit of scripture or um, Chrysostom or someone else. Or, yeah. um, I, love Jer- it, I love Jerome's picture. I mean, in all of his paintings, he, he's always got the hand on the head. Like yep. he just like he just came out of a business meeting, um, and, uh, and, and and the skull on the desk and the skull on the desk. I love it. I love it. All right, go ahead, man, Jerome. Yeah, so uh, we we're able to tap into the you know centuries and centuries and centuries of people that have mulled over the same things, and I, I love it when people um, will bring up you know some objection to Christianity or object, objection to a uh, you know something like that and you know, this was settled like 1700 years ago um, by, you know, by this and by this. And um, uh, just being ignorant of that, I think uh, cripples us a lot of times as we, as we navigate not only the practical implications of all this stuff, but uh, I guess just the theological implications in our own thought processes. Yeah. Okay. So that being said, and we, we could call, we could talk about more, uh, reasons why we think church history gets a bad rap. Um, but I want to kind of go in this direction now. So we want to kind of talk about this a little bit. Um, so somebody might be listening to this and go, oh, these guys are just going to hang out in the past this whole time. Um, I don't I don't get why they would want to do that. Why, why wouldn't they want to talk about what's happening in current? So maybe we could kind of lay out really what our vision is for this podcast, uh, what we want to do. So I'm going to go at the first one because I'll, I'll just hit that one. Um, we are guys who we like to laugh. We like to make each other laugh. Some of my favorite things to do is to make this guy laugh. If you're a listener, as a matter of fact, when we worked together at a, at a local university, um, I made it my job during staff and faculty meetings to text him something that would get him to break up and where he could not keep going. Um, I succeeded. So mean. It was so awesome. Mean. It was, it was the best because you can never contain it. And then once you hit that over, like you, it was just busting out of you, then I started to lose it. And then we're getting in trouble and we're, you know, late thirties, early forties, and we're getting called to the principal's office. But that was my, that's my, my gig. I love to make people laugh. I mean, we could take, we're going to take this stuff seriously, but we're going to have fun with it because there are, I mean, we, you, we want to take something somebody sees as boring and show, Hey, it's not as boring as, as you want it to be, I mean, or it's only as boring as you want it to be. You can have some fun with this and, and it's okay to, to laugh a bit. Um, and so that's one of our premises. There, there is going to be uh, humor in this. Um, we'll try to, to keep it at a minimum. So you actually learn something, but we want you to have fun while you're learning something. Yeah. My, my hope also on top of that is that, you know, we'll be delving into the historical, the theological, not just for information's sake, but that will be there, but also to to challenge each other and to challenge our listeners uh, in their own faith, in their own practice. And, uh, you know, why, why do we do what we do? That's going to be uh, part of what we'll be doing here. Yeah. And so I guess I should say, and if we haven't said it right at the outset, we did get into church history as kind of a hobby, but eventually both of us were teaching church history. Um, you taught it at the college level for a number of years. I've taught it at high school and at the church for a number of years. Um, and so we were, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and concede that you're the man at this. You're going to be able to take us deeper. You're going to know a lot of stuff that I'm like, wow, I'm just going to sit here with a pen and a paper, write a lot of stuff down. Um, but we're both really, like we've said, kind of self-taught, uh, 
just picking up a good book or watching something and reading and then letting that lead us to a footnote. And that footnote leads us to another book and another book. And with many books, there is no end, but um, we, we, we would, we will like to put resources uh, not in your hands because we don't have that kind of budget, not with the way um, our sponsors are helping us out. <laughs> but uh, we, we, we do want to kind of link in a show note, certain resources to you to help you out and go further. And you mentioned a point there you mentioned historical theology, and that's really a key. We're not going to just be talking about what happened on a certain date. We want to talk about the implications of that event because there's trajectory that comes from it. So how did that theo- how did theology develop over history? And we want to talk about um, that because I think those I think to separate church history from historical theology is is a mistake because they go together. They're inseparable. Yeah, yeah I, I can't. I can't tell you how many history classes I've sat in beginning all the way in probably middle school where they're trying to deal with things like the reformation that you can't get away from if you're teaching like, you know, European history or world history or something like that. Um, But without a theological understanding, I, I was, I was a junior in college before I really understood Oh, okay. That's what the Reformation was about. It wasn't just the indulgence thing. There was a lot of other important stuff going on. Um, but yeah, and so I, I will say I mentioned that my master's is in theological studies, um, and so I have noticed. I think a lot we should keep people, a numbing number. We should keep a running number of how many times you mention that you have a yeah, master's. Well, okay. That's well, what well, sure. I'm, I'm, there's a point to it. Okay. Uh, a lot of folks that will do church history might have a degree specifically in church history. Um, but if you look at that, it, it should be at least a mix of history and theology. And so I, I did my, my, I did my history courses separate. I did a kind of a, a grad program in, in history to go along with that. So, uh, what I ended up teaching on the college level was a mix of church history and uh, general history. And I, I, at first I was like, I don't know if I really want to do any of the general history stuff, but what I ended up doing is making me a lot more. Feel like it made me more well-rounded and especially tackling even some of the stuff on the historic theology side of things but yeah there's good symmetry in that when you when you handle it that way um and so as we're doing this as we're doing this podcast we and we encourage you listeners if you have something you'd like for us to talk about if there's something that you like you want us to delve into um, you can email us at church history pod at gmail.com that's church history pod at gmail.com. And we'd love to interact with you um, that way. Uh, we'll also have some social media going up as, as, uh, as time goes by and we'll let you know as that is made available. So that being said, when you send a question in, please know this, we might, um, we might uh, smash your golden calf in our conversation, but please understand that we're just two guys with our opinions and we might not love a character of church history more than as much as you do. Um, not that we don't respect or, or honor them, but we may not have a picture of them over our wall that we do our devotions to every day. So when we say something that may be negative against your guy or your lady, please, please don't think we're horrible. We're just given what we hope to be a balanced, objective understanding of certain things. And we're going to be okay to admit that, you know, we might have our own biases too. And, and we want to make sure that we make that up, up front. Yeah. And I will say, I, I try to be um, one that presents 
you know, whatever the other side viewpoint is in a fair way, and often using their own words, their, right. you know, their own uh, documents and so forth to let them speak for themselves. I, I do try very hard to be fair in, in, in that. So if, um, if you are a member of, let's say, the Lutheran Church, and I say something specifically about the Augsburg Confession one day, and you're like, well, actually, da, 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 please let me know. I'd like to be corrected in a, yeah. a public way like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes a good point. So if any time, if, if we're talking on here and you're like, hey, you might benefit from this resource, email us at, um, at, the church, at churchhistorypod uh, at gmail.com and, and give us a link to that resource so that we can be better. We'll give you a shout out on the pod and thank you for, for it. Maybe we'll even put you in on the next episode. Uh, we'll introduce you as that person who corrected us and you get to get some brown, some points that way. Um, also, that being said, you mentioned it. We, we are going to look at, uh, we want to do this balance. We want to do this fairly. So as we mention people, uh, we'll, we'll give you their words. We're going to share with you what they say, not what a friend of a friend of a friend wrote about them. Um, we we want to share exactly what they said, uh, because that's another neat thing about church history is so many times uh, what I found is people will love a certain person in church history, but have read very little about them or from them. You've read about them, but not, you haven't read them. And um, so we want to make sure it's, it's kind of like back in the day when they had CDs, that's how old we are. When you'd have like a, uh, a compilation CD or a tribute CD, um, I, I remember one of my first uh, CDs I'd gotten was a, a tribute album uh, to Led Zeppelin. It was different artists playing Led Zeppelin songs. And so I was like, I like this. And so I thought, man, yeah, I like, I like Zeppelin. Like, well, not at that time. I liked Stone Temple Pilots' cover of Led Zeppelin. Um, but then, you know, from there, that led me to Zeppelin. And so, you know, that's, that's kind of how we want to go here. We want to make sure you're not just reading or not reading the compilation or the tribute albums, you want to get into the primary sources. That's the key too. And listen to them. So let's say we covered it. We've, uh, let's say we, we, we've laughed, we've talked about Zeppelin and we've mentioned church history. I think we're good to close this out. What do you think, Greg? That's good. 